Thanks for choosing the Hustle and Brews podcast. This episode is a little different than any other, and honestly, it makes me recording this intro a little awkward. That's because I'm the guest on this one, and my wife is interviewing me. I typically give a nice long introduction on the episode's guest and big up them about things they talked about in the interview and the hustle that got them to their position. However, since I'm the interviewee, that just seems weird, so I'll just tell you how the idea for this episode came about. My buddy Rock is one of my most trusted longtime friends, and I pitched him the idea of this podcast prior to recording anything, and then I sent him the first episode I ever recorded to get his thoughts some feedback. He said he wanted to hear more about me and suggested that we do a few episodes talking about my hustle journey. I was resistant, especially to a couple episodes, but my wife agreed, so we started tossing around the idea. This episode is part of what we came up with. This is the traditional hustle and brews sit-down interview over quite a few brews. However, there is and will be more. See, the whole reason I record this podcast, aside from loving to talk to hustlers while we drink craft beer, is to provide a blueprint for my kids. That's honestly the bottom line to all this. I think the insights and inspiration the folks I interview give us through telling their stories is invaluable and my goal is to document it so my kids can refer to the advice and guidance these amazing entrepreneurs lay out during our interviews. Plus it documents me too. Long after I'm gone these recordings will be available for my kids to listen to. Maybe even my grandkids or my great grandkids and so on. That's on some Gary V shit. I feel like I'm providing generations of my family with an opportunity to learn about a business owner's mind state and to just hear me and get to know me in a sense. That's why I try to keep these super casual and edit as little as possible. That brings me to the more part. My wife also interviewed some of my family members, friends, and former business partners, and I'll drop those shorter interviews every now and again in between my upcoming future episodes. Cool thing is, I haven't heard those interviews yet, so I'll be listening to them for the first time when you do. She interviewed my parents, my brother, and some of my most trusted and loved friends and business partners, so they can give you their perspective on my hustle as well. I think it'll be interesting and give more depth to that blueprint this podcast is meant to provide. So here we go. As always, thank you for your attention and support. I appreciate you. Let's go, John Blaze. It was yeah. always huge. It was always in the forefront. Yeah, a long time ago. My whole life. Yeah. My entire life. I mean, my parents, from my parents to now, like, I, I, I truly believe I would rather, if, if possible, it's not possible to do it all the time. Maybe it is, but you'd have to be very dedicated to this movement. But if I can spend with a local person rather than a big box or a chain train restaurant or something like that, uh, I'm going to spend local every For time. Sure. And even if it's a little bit more expensive than what, you know, because you can get anything cheap as hell. Walmart, you know what I'm saying? But I'd rather go to a mom and pop to keep them, keep them going. Plus, I mean, those places remember that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember people that spend money with me. So I know they're the same way. And I feel like it's super important to to our economy like we don't really need big boxes i mean back in the day they, they weren't around yeah communities survived off of the businesses that were right there in their own neighborhood or like in the neighboring neighborhood you know what i'm saying so i think uh i think if people took that mentality i mean there'd be a lot more thriving local businesses and i mean everybody'd be happier in my opinion for sure Talk about the hustle. Support local. I share craft brews with local entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. I share craft brews with local entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. Support low, support low, support low. Hey, hey, welcome to another episode of the Hustle. Hustle.
Hustle and Bruce podcast. This episode is going to be a little different because it's hosted by me, Chanel D, and I am going to be interviewing Matt. The, the Sensi Bruce, Bruce tra- Traveler. Because this is his podcast and we don't really know much about him. I mean, you don't. You don't know much about me? You've been together, no, for, eight, hey, been together whoa, whoa, whoa. for 18 years. I'm talking about everybody that's listening. <laughs> They're probably thinking, mean. who's this guy and why is he talking to people? But I figured that people should know why you want to talk to people and what your background is and what they should know about you. Yeah, and that was her idea. And then um, my buddy Rock was totally with it, too. He's like, yeah, I think that'd be a cool episode. So um, with the COVID stuff... We haven't been able really to get into many. We've been lucky. We got into the common and we got into narrow path. They quarantined us off in a little section, but things are starting to open back up. But hey, what the hell? We're here. Yep. We don't have any kids right now. We got beer. Let's record a podcast. That's what we're about to do. So, <laughs> what's your why? My why is you. My why is the kids. It's plain and simple. Can you elaborate? So, yeah, I was kind of just a fuck off my whole life and you came along and I got serious and then the kids came along and I got real serious I figured I better do something with my life if I'm going to support a family so that's what it is I got my first real like sales job after um, you told me that Ari was coming we were pregnant with Ari and then I got I got really no I didn't that's not right I got when Ari was coming I got a I got a really good, decent job. I quit moving around so much and traveling. But then when Cole came, I was like, all right, I got to get in sales. I got to start making commissions because this shit ain't going to cut it. So you're, you and the kids are the reason for everything. Simple. So you're, so you're saying I changed your life. You did. You well, did. And then you gave me kids. and Damn I, it, straight. It got changed more <laughs> than I ever thought it could possibly happen. So. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much for being my wife. That's good to cheers yeah, to, right? Yeah, that's something to cheers to. All right. There we go. This is what, our third beer. And tonight. what are we drinking on? Um, I'm drinking homebrew. What? So we got a neighbor in the neighborhood in Hazelwood that, um, you know, I've known him through the uh, Hazelwood community meetings and stuff like that, but I saw him at fretboard one night when we were up there with our buddies and... He told me that um, he brews, and he didn't really have anybody to brew with anymore, so I made sure that me and you became his brewing buddies. That's and right. This is our first one. It's just a uh, it's a pale ale, um, but we did a partial math with v- partial mash with Vienna, Crystal Tin, and Carapils malt with light malt extract. Don't be giving all the secrets away. Why? We can. Mm. What do you mean? It's his own recipe. They don't know when we put the stuff in and everything. But I'm just saying. We use Centennial Cascade so and Amarillo good. hops. Um, and it was a recipe that he wrote a long time ago. I think with his brother. It was all for all grain, but we adapted it to a partial mash because partial mash because it was our first beer ever, and it's a lot simpler. Thanks, but, Jesse. Yeah, Jesse, you're the shit, bro. And um, I, if in case that sounded smart, like I know what the fuck I'm talking about with brewing, I don't. I'm literally reading a text message he sent me <laughs> because I asked him for an earlier podcast. I was like, hey, man. Somebody's gonna ask me about this beer, and I need to. I need. I need smarts. So. So did we already tell? Did we mention this in any other podcast? How this beer came about, or we don't want to talk about it. What do you mean? 
Well, like we brewed it right before quarantine shutdown happened. Yeah. The day that um, Ohio was shutting down, the restaurants and bars and everything were closing. So that was our brew day. And then, so we're like, okay, great. We're going to have beer in a couple of weeks. Like when the world shuts down, I mean, we got a stash. And so we started talking about what are we going to name it? And this was my idea. I thought we should call it the preteen ale because it's pre-quarantine, but it also sounds kind of creepy. Like we're looking for preteens. That's kind of why it was awesome. I know. (laughs) I was with it, man. But he's a teacher and he thought that sounded really fucked up. Right. So (laughs) I think we agreed to call it the other side of the tracks ale because there's train tracks that run right through the middle of our neighborhood and he lives on one side and we live on one side. So... Other side of the tracks, ale, but it's delicious. It's a great pale ale. What are you drinking on? Oh, tell, tell them about it. I am drinking on Damocles from Brink. This is a black IPA, milkshake bla- IPA. black milkshake IPA. It's delicious. It's creamy. I love it. And this is the first beer that I've actually whispered I love you to while drinking it. The first time we had it, we were at Brink mm-hmm. and uh, we were waiting on pizza from uh, Gems Red Rose, which is the best pizza beer combo on west of 75 if you ask me but we're sitting there and i heard chanel whispering and i was like <laughs> the fuck is she talking about and i look over and okay. she's whispering to her beer she's like i love you i love you you were <laughs> the best i said that must tasted. be that must be amazing so it's, and it's not uh, it's not a regular so when it's on like i i stock their web page for Damocles and when it's there we're going yeah, we go there pretty to often. get a couple of growlers. This is the growlers. second growler we've got in about two weeks probably. Yeah. It's so good though. It is really good. But all right. Yeah. That's so it. We're let's drinking get into it. And we're drinking Damocles. Alright, so you're a hustler, right? <laughs> yeah. what, who influenced you? Where'd you get that from? Um I think uh my first influence was my parents because they were, they both were and both are like thoroughbred hustlers. Like when I was a kid, they owned a dairy bar in Batavia. And um, I just remember they both worked full time jobs. My dad was a UPS uh, delivery guy in Milford, and my mom um, worked for the government. And after work, they would go to Batavia and work more. So I saw that constantly. And it like, I think it uh, ingrained the love of, local business in me because I saw it like my my family was a local business you know what I mean so I think I always had that respect for that and and I just saw people um who worked for themselves I always admired it it was always something like I saw my parents do it I something I always wanted to do but like even my I say another influence I remember like my dad when I was little he was he's always been into cars and uh we went I remember I remember this time specifically, but we went to a uh, like a car meet down in uh, old Sharonville where the Sharonville split up down there. They had cars everywhere. And uh, my dad was in the swap meet. He had a bunch of stuff he was selling. He was always selling car parts. Like He's kind of like a picker, like an American picker. And um, Your dad is a picker, not he, even kind of. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Come on. Totally. But um, I remember that memory vividly, like, thinking about margins and profit and how to make money because me, I had a buddy with me and he'd let us run around and we'd look at cars and stuff like that. But then when we come back, my dad would take off with his buddy and they'd go look at their cars and, but somebody had to stay with the parts, you know what I mean? So dad would tell me, I knew what, what the price was on 
all the different parts. And he's like, if you can sell them for more than that, you can keep whatever you make over them. You know what I mean? And I remember that being a time where I was like, oh, shit, really? Like, nice. So, so like, how much would you try to, like, if you're, like, a, a part? I like, don't remember specifically. Oh, okay. I just remember thinking, like, I could make money like that. You know what I mean? Like, it was the first time I was like, oh, shit, I'm not just here to hang out. Like, I could bring home a couple bucks. I don't remember if I did or not, but... I mean, he probably didn't go too far away, but I remember that being the t- hmm. first time it clicked in my mind, like, okay, you know what I mean? Overcharged for what I got it for. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, how much more can I get than what I paid for it? And that was like, you know, ever since, just hustle. Yeah. That's how it goes. Um, so what I think is cool is that, like, you know, your dad is a car guy, and then, you know, like, my grandpa is a car guy. So, like, yeah. it's a built-in hustle between you know a commonality that we didn't even really know we had like when we first got together like my grandpa's owned his own business for 30 years i probably said that in every podcast but like doesn't matter it's it's amazing that's like you you do your real job and he would come home and then that was his side job and he's still doing like his side job is his full-time job now which is kind of oh your grandpa's definitely an influence to me too like i'm i'm influenced by anybody that i see out there doing it you know what i mean like i get motivated by them people like if i didn't see that all the time and there's always people doing that some people don't always pay attention but like i honed in on local businesses and like your grandpa's he's a beast man like Mm -hmm. i I definitely look at him as like a um like a mentor and somebody that influenced me i mean i do that with all kinds of people in my life. Like I remember um, getting out of high school and stuff and people that I would meet that were my age, like 19, 20 or something that had their own business, like Big Al with the landscaping, you know what I mean? Or, um, you know, I met Chad through music, but like he's had his own painting company. Like I've always, I admire that. Anybody that can figure out how to do things on their own and then survive and be eating and, you know, that's, that's well, amazing. What about your Uncle Jack? Yeah, my Uncle Jack, he owned an extermination company, you know what I mean? And, I mean, they were everywhere around me, you know what I mean? Your Aunt like, Peggy. <laughs> like, yeah, my Aunt Peggy owns a dairy bar, too, and I think she and actually influenced... And your mom, influenced. I mean... Yeah, I mean, my mom and Your mom and my is mom one of the hardest-working people. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they ran out... Roger, I mean, it's crazy. They ran out a, um, a vacation spot in Elkins, West Virginia. I mean, it's all around me. Like, there's nobody... I mean, there is people, but there's a, a lot of people around me that weren't afraid to do side hustles and do something that wasn't considered you know traditional or normal you know what I mean so I saw it everywhere man I paid attention too. like I don't know that's I've, I've never really liked bosses or I mean I've dealt with them I ate shit for a long time but I never really wanted to be there whenever I was so like one of the things that I remember about, like, when we first started hanging out, like, we weren't official yet, but um, you were like, hey, so I got this job. I'm going to go to uh, Bogarts and hand out flyers <laughs> for the Crystal Method. You want to go? Yeah. We man. get to go for free. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Who are they? <laughs> I didn't really know who they I knew that one song, the name of the game or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, I was like, I was always big into music, especially in college, and uh, it was in the back of City Beat. It was just like, you know, <laughs> you want to make some extra money. I made like a hundred bucks that night, and all I did was... Oh, whoa. 
But the, the truth comes out. You never told me you made a hundred bucks. Well, what do you mean? It was a job. What do you think I was doing? It for I three? helped you. Yeah, I you probably spit it on you. you shit. You didn't give me a cut of hundred bucks. <laughs> Got you in the show for free. You took me to Waffle House, probably. Well, done that a million times. <laughs> Might have spent a hundred bucks. Doubt it. <laughs> I couldn't even drink back then, so you know the bill wasn't that high. You can't buy beer at Waffle House. So. I'm talking about boomers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, shit, I saw it as an opportunity. I mean, I remember like it was before B2K came out. Like I was promoting them at a concert. They were opening up for some big name down, down. Uh, I don't know, at uh, where the Banks is now. And I was like, okay, yeah. I, got, I mean, I was already into music. So it was like, hey, let's uh, I'll pass out flyers. I do that shit all the time. Who cares? Because I can get paid for it. I was just hustling, trying to get drinking money as a college kid. So, before we jump to the, your college years, like you mentioned, like helping your dad at the swap meet. So, like, when you were younger, like, what are some of the, the little jobs that you would do? Oh, yeah. So, I like any kid, I cut grass. You know, I had a, quite a few yards that I would cut. And then um, I did door store, which was like... Um, there was a guy that did door store and I would go up to his house and work in his garage. And I'm talking about fifth grade, maybe sixth grade. We'd go up there on a Saturday or, or Sunday. I can't remember what day he delivered, but we would, whatever, we'd stuff all the ads into the door store bags and he would hang them on people's doors during the week or on the weekend. And um, we got paid per hundred. So I would sit in there and sometimes, man, sometimes we'd have easy weeks where it'd be like four ads, four papers. But then some weeks would be like 13. Did you wear one of those little thumb koozies? So no, but I had the quick sort. I had the bottles of the quick sort. Yeah, I don't know what that is. It's like these little round things. Where oh, you the can spongy? Put, it was like a wax or something. Oh, like okay. you would just rub your finger on so you could grab stuff. And I'd just rip them off. And I, I could, I'd do like 700 on a weekend. I can't remember what we got paid. Probably 10 bucks for 100 Maybe not even that. 5 bucks for 100 I was in fifth grade. You know, fuck I needed money for. I just, <laughs> I hustled. I mean... And grass, cut grass. I remember we had, um, I had lawn jobs at businesses and stuff, and my mom and dad would take me there with the lawnmower and watch me cut grass. But I saved up. I remember um, I felt like the shit when I was like going into my freshman year in, uh, in, in high school. So I was an eighth grader. I had like uh, 1700 bucks saved up yeah. in my account. Like I, I felt rich. You know what I mean? It was just from. My dad always taught me, like, when you when you make money, you save a lot of it. So I'd always save at least 50, 60 percent and then spend the rest on whatever. But I'd try to find deals, too. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I wasn't just spending straight money. I'd get buy one, get ones or whatever. That's great. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like, I, I'm trying to think back. Like, I don't know if I had $500 in my bank account, like, when I was a senior. But I was really good at finding deals though well shit i didn't have 500 dollars in my bank account when i was a senior either <laughs> that money you know you get in high school and then things happen and you start spending your money on dumb shit like beer yeah and you know or oh wait not in high school <laughs> <laughs> but like cars and stuff you know like gas and going to movies and stuff with your friends like yeah that money was gone but no one else came in with it. Yeah. Not not many that I knew. You know what I mean? I, I thought it was awesome. So is it time for our first break? Yeah, this is a good time to take a break. Let's uh, refill our glasses and listen to a, a you know one of our ads from a sponsor. Cool. Yep. Let's get some beer. 
The first sponsor for this episode is a fundraiser I created called Vets and Brews. For a small $10 donation, you can buy a veteran a beer as a way of saying thank you for your service. I came up with this idea as a way for people to show their support to our veteran community without spending a lot of money. Each $10 donation buys a veteran a craft beer and the remaining balance goes to support Operation Honor. Operation Honor is a local small nonprofit that builds beautiful veteran handcrafted burial flag boxes and they are the sole provider of burial flag boxes for Arlington National Cemetery. They're an amazing organization and I'm very proud to be teamed up with them. At this point, I have Vets and Brews set up in five local breweries in Cincinnati. Rebel Metal downtown, Narrow Path in Loveland, 16 Lots in the Common in Mason, and March 1st in Blue Ash. I also ran a special promotion at Loose Ends in Centerville, just outside of Dayton, when they released a brew created for a veteran who was a close friend to the owner and head brewer. I really look forward to getting this out to more breweries here in Cincinnati, and hopefully nationwide someday. If you own a brewery and would like to talk about Vets and Brews, shoot me an email at mattsellscincy at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-S-E-L-L-S-C-I-N-C-Y at gmail.com. It's pretty simple. $10 buys a Veta Brew and puts money into a local small brewery business as well as a local veteran-focused nonprofit. A win-win-win for everyone. To learn more about this program or to make a donation, please visit homesandbrews.com slash vets-brews. That's www.homesandbrews.com forward slash vets-brews. I hope you'll consider donating. Now, back to the hustle. All right. So we just uh, filled, filled, up, filled up our glass, glass glasses. We did. What are we drinking on? Um, we, so on our way to Brink tonight, we stopped at uh, Fibonacci and rolled through the, um, rolled through the drive-thru. Um, I've only been to Fibonacci one time and that was on like their... What was it, like their four-year anniversary or something? I don't even know, but it I was... I don't know how long they've been there. It was a long anniversary. I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I haven't been here yet, but... It was delicious. They have a lot of good beer. So we got um, Equilateral, which is... It was brand new tonight. They didn't even have it on their um, on their uh, menu, beer menu, but it's a triple IPA, which isn't a normal pool for us. It smells mm. super dank. But that's delicious. Yeah, it's, it's, a, su- it's real smooth. Like it's I, it wasn't ten point two. Ten point two percent. Holy shit! Chanel's <laughs> <laughs> drinking out of the bottle. <laughs> but yeah, it's really good. It's got a great color to it. Yeah. Like not what I was expecting. Looks like an almost like an amber. Right? Yeah, so I was about to say it's got a great amber color, but but it's it's it smells super hoppy, but it's it's not so overwhelming. It's so it's super smooth. smooth. Yum. Yeah. If. If you haven't been to um, if you haven't been to Fibonacci, you need to go because they're the real deal, and they got goats there. The goats are so cute. Yep. And one of the things that um, I thought was really cool about Fibonacci, they bought a property next door. They built a goat pen or whatever. Um, and I found all this out when um, I went there for that party. We went with um, we went with Twitty and uh, Quick Trip, and was uh, Pico with us? Yeah. I think everybody. It was a whole Bruce Traveler crew. Yeah. And um, there's a house there. So the, um, I found out later that they're renting the house out on Airbnb. So people They are? Can, yeah. I didn't know that. They got Airbnb rooms up there. So and there's people, goats? Well, I mean, they go into the house. There's goats in the out in the yard. But, I mean, you could sleep 
at the brewery damn near. I mean, it's walking distance. How amazing is that? It's across the driveway. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's brilliant. And there's goats. It's like I heard that even before, like Brewdog. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. So I really like them. I think they're cool. Now, another thing that happened tonight, as we're pulling up, the lady was asking us, she's like, do you have the, um, what does she call them? What? She said, do you wear, do you have do, to wear a mask? Do, do you wear a mask at work? And Chanel was like, yeah, I do. And she goes, we got this kid in the neighborhood that makes these. Uh, like they're ear three, protectors. Three, yeah, ear protectors. So instead of the the um, the mask going around your ears, you connect them to these this plastic piece on the back of your head. And I've seen them online, people doing this, but he, he 3D prints them. And I was like, yeah, we'll take a bag. And she's like, all right, it's there's 10 of them in here. Give them to anybody you know. And um, I was like, can I tip him? Or like, can I leave you five bucks well, or something? Well, first she said they're free. She said they're free, yeah. And I was yeah. like, that's, that's amazing. Like, yeah, we'll take a bag. And I was like, can I leave him a tip? And she goes, um, well, here's his... He, he's got a card, so he's got a YouTube channel. He's looking for followers, I guess. So He's not charging anything for these. No, nah, he's just doing this out of the kindness of his heart, and I think that's amazing. And I love I love entrepreneurs, man. I love go-getters. So we got to mention him. This kid's name, it's hashtag Ethan Makes. So E-T-H-A-N-M-A-K-E-S, and he's got a YouTube channel. And he shows on there. I looked at the YouTube channel. He, has, um, he shows himself making these along with other things. But, yeah, a little hustler in the making, man. It's pretty cool. 3D printing apps and more. The kids out here doing it, man. So maybe we'll have Ethan on the podcast one day. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be totally That's cool. That's freaking or awesome. Have him doing an ad or something. But I haven't used one yet, but I know my ears are going to thank him on Monday morning when I go back to work wearing that mask. Yeah, she hates those things on her ears after a whole day. Yep, for sure. So that's awesome. But yeah, now we're drinking on um, Equilateral and we got... Uh, that's pretty much it. We got another, we got a stout in there from them. I can't remember what it's called. I'll, we'll have to see one of these breaks, but yep. it's uh, it's always good from yeah. Fibonacci. I really like them. So we're going to jump back into um, the show and let's talk about your hustle. So we started talking a little bit about it before we, our break, like some of the things that you got into, right. uh, but there's many more. Yeah, I've done a lot of stuff. I mean... I think uh, I've never been scared to try stuff. You know what I mean? And That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> or just I never really had a fear of what people thought about me for being different. You know what I'm saying? Like I always considered myself a little bit different, um, like an odd bird or whatever. That's but, why uh, we're together. Like you, you, <laughs> you. I, I don't know. This might go into a different tangent, but I feel like that's part of one of the reasons that we got together because like you felt like you could fit in with anybody. But you're, I could. But you're also like outside of everybody too. Like you, you fit in anywhere, but you don't really belong. Yeah. And I feel like I could fit in anywhere too, but I don't really belong. And so that's how, like, I think we're the perfect match because it's like we don't, we can blend in with anybody, but like we don't belong there. Really. Yeah, right. <laughs> we just get in where we fit in. Yeah, we essentially. Fit perfectly together though. But I think uh, my first hustle really was music. So I was in a hip hop group. What? For a long time. People don't know that. Not many people know that. This but is pretty news. But the thing, and I'm not going to talk a whole lot about it, but I, I honestly feel like uh, people that did music back in the day are like always really good hustlers. You know what I mean? I know it takes a work ethic and stuff because as a, as a local musician and as a small musician, just trying to, you know, be heard, you're 
you're grinding and hustling and you're not getting paid. You're literally going for what you're passionate about. And that's true across the board almost. And some people last a little longer. Some some end up getting paid. I, we weren't one of those. We got paid a couple times. But um, it was more like it was just passionate. It was what I wanted to do. It was fun. It was challenging. And, you know, when I meet, a, when I meet somebody that says, like, let's say if I meet a, a contractor or something like that, and they've started up a, um, a, a small company or something, they tell me they were, yeah, I, I play guitar. I was in a band in college. I'm like, all right, I already, I already know what your grind's right. like. You know what I mean? I, I know that you're going to go harder than the average person because, man, that's, that's grinding for a passion. And I, I mean, I've always admired that. So, well, and this but we be- got signed. We got signed to a local label. We went on tour. We were on the warp tour one summer. Like we did probably like four or five cities, Chicago. Um, Detroit, Cincinnati, uh, St. Louis, New York, like New York did, City. Yeah, like we uh, we have fun, man. It was it was a great time in my life. I'm super proud of it. Um, it's just you were played on the Wiz. Yeah, you know, <laughs> played on a few stations like in Texas and Florida and stuff. But um, and this was before the days of like YouTube, like yeah, or like, Instagram. Well, MySpace, and that's the thing. Like, like I, was, I was saying earlier, the Crystal Method thing, like passing out flyers. Like we literally promoted our shows, and anybody from '90s hip hop that was in the scene in Cincinnati, or, or not 2000s. even not even hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Like any band that played at Top Cats or um, you know um, Sudsies or whatever back in the days. What's you that? you went out Sudsy Malone's no the frog place Mad, Mad frog. frog yeah you went out and stood around that joint for a couple days before your show and you passed out flyers you made it home printed up and that's how you got people to come in or you called all your friends you know what I mean that was it we weren't I don't think we were texting at the point that point no but you weren't we, yeah I don't even <laughs> think I had we had pagers we didn't get cell phones together until like what oh two oh three but you were grinding yeah you were grinding for that shit if you had you had a good crowd come up. You knew you did something right. So, I don't know. That music was fun to so me. So, you could make money off of shows. Like, how how did you make your, your money that way? So, we'd charge at the door. So, I, I, I would, um, like, Vicky, rest in peace, rest in heaven, at Top Cats. She was um, a tough cookie for most people. You know what I'm saying? Like, she, she would kick people out and be mean to them if she didn't like them but if she loved you she loved you man she and, loved uh, you she loved me <laughs> she and did there was a reason for it like I was kind of scared of her at first because I seen her just throw people out and talk shit to them right in their face and um, I was taking a class on um, like public relations or something and they were talking about press releases so I wrote up my own press release we were doing a show at Sudsy Malone's and I, I sent it to Top Cats and I said Vicky I want you to I wrote it up nice. We had our logo on it and everything. I said, we're doing a show on this day. I know that you support the local hip-hop scene because I've been to tons of shows at your venue. I've never played there. I've always wanted to. Um, I'd love for you to come and check us out. I've got a free ticket for you at the door, and I'd, I'd like to buy you a drink when you come in. Sweet. You know what I mean? Two people showed up to the show. <laughs> so wait. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, two people other than Vicky and Bobby that came in. You know what I'm saying? She still rest liked in, you rest after in that. heaven, Bobby, too. Well, the thing is. So wait, where did you meet Jordan? So she didn't. She didn't drink. I met Jordan in school. So yeah, like was Jordan, he involved with this before or after? Yeah, oh yeah, anything that had to do with us in college. So um, my boy Jordan, DJ Lucky, um, he was uh, he reviewed hip hop albums in the um, Cincinnati news UC newspaper. Bearcast, so the, right? Was it the Bearcast? Yeah. The news record. Yep. The news record. So I emailed him 
And I said, I'm a local guy. We got this CD. I'd like you to check it out. And I didn't know. And I met him. I remember thinking, like, this motherfucker over here, this this the guy that's going to review us, huh? And he was thinking the same thing. He told me, like, look at this guy. Like, there's no <laughs> way that this music's going to be any good. But he gave us an awesome review. He ended up being our DJ. And we worked on music together for 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, he was our onstage DJ. He was, he was the... He was probably more than half of the mind of our group because he was just smart and he was a go-getter and a hustler, you know what I'm saying? But So we do this show, we get up on stage, it wasn't even a stage, it was just an area, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like in the front of the fucking bar, and uh, we do our thing, After the, we had like five songs we were doing for that set, and Vicky left after the first song, she just walked I saw her. She started walking back down toward Top Cats. I was like, "Did she drink her drink?" She didn't drink. She's like, "I'm not here to drink tonight." You know, thank you for the, thank you for offering, but you know, I declined or whatever. And I was like, "Okay," but she, um, she walked away, and I was like, "No, oh, this is over. There's no way." But then um, a couple of days later, she called me. She said, "I love it. You guys can let me know when you want to come up." And Top Cats became our home court. We we could do show. We do two shows a month there for a year straight. You know what I'm saying? Whenever we wanted, we got to keep the door. So we would get we would we would get whatever came in for the door and we had to pay the sound man a hundred bucks. So if we had more than twenty people there, we charged five bucks a head, we had the sound man pay for. And then anybody else that came in, we got to keep. But the way I motivated any of the opening acts we had is I printed I got tickets printed out that were numbered and I would get certain numbers for each group and I'd say, You've got tickets ten through twenty. These are your free tickets. You can sell these for five dollars and keep the money. Or you can give them away. It's up to you. It's up to you if you get paid or not. I was like, but whoever brings in the most people, if you run out of these tickets, come back to me. I'll sell them to you for $2. You know what I'm saying? You can sell them for 5 or whatever. And whoever brings the most tickets, I'll look at the numbers at the end of the night. You get 20% of the door. You know what I mean? So that would motivate the groups. Because a lot of times people weren't getting paid. They were just going up there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So, you know, you could make 50 60 bucks if you, uh, if you hustled hard. You know what I mean? So I just how, figured if you weren't going to work hard, you, you shouldn't get no money. So how I've, many, done, I've done 100 performances for free. How many of the people that you worked with like actually like brought crowds to like, actually like, make Not their many. own money? Not many. I mean, no, I mean, we didn't even bring that many until the very <laughs> end. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was just local scene. I mean, it was... It was usually pretty bare in there. We had a couple really good shows at one point. But, so. I mean, taking that mindset, though, like, that was y your way, like, back then of, like, encouraging, like, the local to support local. I mean, sure. that, that was... It was know, always huge. It was always in the forefront. Yeah, a long time ago. My whole life. Yeah. My entire life. I mean, my parents, from my parents to now, like, I, I, I truly believe I would rather... If, if possible, it's not possible to do it all the time. Maybe it is, but you'd have to be very dedicated to this movement. But if I can spend with a local person rather than a big box or a chain, chain restaurant or something like that, uh, I'm going to spend local every For time. Sure. And even if it's a little bit more expensive than what, you know, because you can get anything cheap as hell at Walmart. You know what I'm saying? But I'd rather go to a mom and pop to keep them, keep them going. Plus, I mean... Those places remember that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember people that spend money with me, so I know they're the same way, and I feel like it's super important to to our economy. Like, we don't really need big boxes. I mean, back in the day, they, they weren't around. Yeah. Communities survived off of the businesses that were right there in their own neighborhood or, like, in the neighboring neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? So I think, uh, I think if people took that mentality, I mean, there'd be a lot more thriving local businesses and 
I mean, everybody would be happier, in my opinion. For sure. So the music thing, I mean, it was a big part of your life, our lives, you know, yeah. for, you know, a long time. But then in, in between that, like, that was like your after-hours gig, but, like, during your work hours, like... Yeah. Tell me about some of the other jobs. Well, I wasn't, that, that wasn't a hustle. So, I mean, I know. That you're, was your you're, passion. You're talking about, I'm, well, no, yeah. But my passion was my hustle. The music was part of that. But you're talking about door-to-door, right? I, like, I, was or, a door, I was a door-to-door salesman for a year and a half. and But that was a job, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I didn't own the company until later. So before that even, I had my, I bought a house, you know, with my brother, um, which ended up turning into my first rental property. I lived there for like six years in Madisonville. Um, but while I was there, I had a door to door job and, um, in, on summers and weekends, I would work for a local pizzeria in Milford, Costantini's. Man, it was so oh, good. Oh man, I missed that. So good. He, he was my na- my dad's neighbor and I was good friends with Rick and, uh, I would deliver pizzas or make pizzas or do whatever. I'd come home and work for him on the weekends and, um, when I was doing the door to door stuff after college, they were promoting businesses within a certain area. Like you would, you'd find the business, you'd pinpoint it, and then you'd draw a circle around it within two miles and you would walk up and down every street until they were all done trying to sell and promote that business as much as possible. And you learn game and how to sell and like how to influence people and figure out what their, uh, what would motivate them to purchase. But the thing that made me mad is like Rick was like, man, this is cool. Can they do a um, do one for me? But he was just like one guy. He was a local pizza guy. You know what I'm saying? And they were like they kind of shunned him off and shook him off because he was small. And I I thought that was fucked up. So we we ran into quite a few businesses like that. And me and uh, a couple guys that were working for that company. They were they were good salesmen. We decided to to quit and we started our own advertising company selling pretty much the same type of door to door advertisement it was called lpm promotions um at lpm was all the different uh guys names the m obviously was matt yeah yeah so and we we did that for like a year and a half like you knew your pitch so well that you would say it in your sleep yeah like literally like it would wake me up because you were talking in your sleep like i knew your pitch yeah. So well, you would wake up. We'd wake up. <laughs> like, hey, you like pizza? <laughs> <laughs> but it's the structure of the pitch that I still remember. You know what I mean? Like, I can pitch anybody on anything based on. I mean, door to door is tough, man. Uh, I mean, you only yeah. have you only have a couple minutes to make it a good impression on somebody, and you have to you have to sell. You have to figure out what's going to make them buy, and you have to sell them quick and get get on to the next door. So let me tell you something. I know you know. Yeah. But. So I thought, okay, he's doing door to door. I think we I own the company at this point. Yeah, you own the company, so, so we're I'm making like, more per sale. So I thought, okay, I'm cute. I'm young. Mm-hmm. I can sell some stuff. Uh, I quit within the first hour. Yeah, I quit within the. I'm like, I remember that day. Uh, you took one side of the street. I took the other. And then I'm like, dude, give me the keys. I'll meet you in the car because I quit. <laughs> like, I quit. I'm not a salesperson. I don't see how you could do that every day. It was challenging, man. I liked it. I mean, I didn't like it when I was getting rained on or was snowing. Or, or like that cat that, like, bit you and attacked your leg. There was a cat in St. Bernard that <laughs> fucking attacked me and bit my leg, my thigh, like, five times. It was a little bitty pound cat. 
hurt the hurt me bad, man. I, to- <laughs> I fucking hate cats. I don't hate cats, but I'm that, it cat, just jumped up and attacked cats. me out of nowhere. Like I'm <laughs> cautious around cats, man. But then um you know, that didn't work out. One of the guys I was working with um, emptied our bank account and skipped town. With um, some stripper in Florida. Yeah, I don't know, but it was bullshit. <laughs> so that business went down. I got a job in uh, New York, and um, I was working in in one of the buildings that uh, the towers had fallen through. This was like 2002 after 9-11, so um, we were testing for hazardous materials there. My, my brother Mike got me the job, and... Uh, I hustled there too. So like I found out that cigarettes in New York at the time were like $8 a pack. You know what I'm saying? And I could go, I, they'd send me home every two weeks. So I'd go down to the, um, you know, the party source and I'd buy one carton each, each time I came home and I'd sell them for five bucks a pack and make a little extra spending change, even though I was getting paid really good. You know what I mean? Like overtime and everything yeah, else. I just always figured like, I just figured like, why not hustle if there's an opportunity? Like it was just, it was totally. It was just in my blood, man. So what about the T-shirts? T-shirts was Luck. He was in um, DJ Lucky, uh, my boy that was with the music with me. He called me um, from New York at one time, and uh, this is when the Bengals were popping with Marvin and, um, you know, Hushman Zada and Ocho Cinco and all that shit. And uh, they had those t-shirts you'd see with like different names of the wu-tang like method and rizza and jizza you know what i mean on the shirt and there's no logos or nothing you just recognize or it would be like the beatles name paul ringo you know what i'm saying and you would know those names you know what they was talking about because of those names so luck was like let's do t-shirts with the five best players you know we would we put marvin in there for marvin lewis but then you know put their names down and uh we tried to sell those for a while i mean we sold Still enough to make our money back, but we didn't order a second <laughs> batch of them. Yeah, you know I was like, saying? t-shirts! Like, fuck it, why not? Like, if it works, if it blows up, who knows? I mean, it's worth a shot, and it didn't cost much. I mean, yeah. we made our money back. So, like, one thing, like, about you is, like, you always have, like, great ideas. Like, oh, we could do this, and we can make money. And and I'm always, like, the negative Nelly saying, like, oh, Really? cautious one i'd say yeah yeah but then like you still i'm like okay like well i consider myself more of an idea person than anything like i come up with more ideas like i like working through the process you know what i mean of of figuring out how i can make an idea become something um sometimes it works out sometimes i get thinking about it enough and i'm like yeah this isn't gonna work it won't make any money and a lot of ideas just fall to the you know the wayside but um yeah, I'm, I definitely come up with lots of ideas, and I'll try them. I'm not afraid to try them, or at least work them out in my mind and start running money on them and see if it see if it's going to make some money. Yeah, I'd like to consider myself, I guess, as the professional devil's advocate. Sure, you need that. It's a it's a great yin and yang. You know yeah. what I mean? To especially if you're if you're going to be hustling. Like, because, yeah, I like that idea, but like, let me like tell me how you think it's going to fail. Yeah, you have to consider those things. So. It's always um, worst case scenario. But then we did crack corn. Yeah. We had a candy company with Rock. Um, you know, uh, my, we you came up with this candy that everybody fucking loved. Well, so I didn't create the recipe. No, you found it, but you made yeah, it Yeah, I found the recipe, and we started making this um, caramel-coated puff corn. Mm-hmm. And Our buddy Rock loved it. Yeah. Like, he kept saying, like, man, you guys got to sell this stuff. You got to sell it. And um, 
at one point, he said it over and over. He must have said it a hundred times. We we're like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever. You just like this candy. But then he's like, seriously, man, I'll invest. Let's go. We, I want to be a partner. Let's sell this stuff. And we did, man. We had, we sent it to a lab. We got the nutritional facts. You know what I'm saying? We, yeah. we ended up researching a bunch what of different year? bags. Was that like? Two, oh shit! Was kid oh, after kids? Oh four oh five. No, I don't know what year it was. I it think was, it was, it was a probably while like ago. 2009, 2010, probably. Like well, a, we researched bags. Yeah, because I was at a. And I was, I was unemployed. Yeah, <laughs> and so, so was Rock. We had um, we researched the bags. We got the bags done. We had uh, a graphic designer come up with our logo, and we made stickers. And you know, we were cranking. We were like um, setting up tables outside of Kroger, and we'd sell out three, four hundred bags in a couple hours every time we went there. Dude, we had like major like we were kill- we were delivering pe- to people. We made Christmas baskets, um, but and like yeah. So, but we had major competition with the Boy Scouts and the and the Girl Scouts. Like we were at Kroger at the same time. Like they were selling. Well, their- I would never want to go there if the Girl Scouts were there. That's true. Like or- I was like, that's not right because we're gonna outsell them. And, uh, <laughs> It's it's kids, man. Boy Scouts too. Yeah, but yeah. but then um, so we'd wait. I'd tell the manager like, like tell, not this weekend. Like call us when they're when they leave and we'll come down there. Yeah, because we did one time. We set up right next to them and they didn't sell another box yeah, for the whole two hours we were there. And I felt like a dick. I didn't. Yeah, you were kind of cold blooded. <laughs> we like fuck that. Let's go. But yeah, crack corn was amazing and uh, it just wasn't profitable. We couldn't produce enough at one time to you know ramp up those margins yep so it, it just got to the point where like okay we got to stop yeah, this we, we like tried the, a couple different places we tried to cook legals. at the boat club yeah and then the, the the government got into it and uh pretty much shut us down it was dumb i don't even want to go into it but yeah. the government stopped us because they couldn't classify what kind of food we were it was stupid yeah but yeah but, and then, but then the, in the meantime though like we were still acquiring like rental property so like talk about that like so it's like at the same time you have all of these things going on you are like you have like your your music and then your music was pretty much done at this point yeah yeah it was fizzling but the like so you're so then like you had at the time that we were doing crack corn you like were in between like the t-shirts and then like so we had like a rental property we moved to st bernard and we rented out our house in madisonville um we also, I don't know, I don't know, the years are kind of skewed in my head, but um, I was working at Cengage. We were getting huge bonuses, sale bonuses from there, and I'd, we'd save up. And um, <clears throat> they fired me. They let go a bunch of people. It was like when everybody was getting laid off back in the, you know, the recession or whatever. And um, I was mad because they, I was working on a big deal that I knew was going to give me a huge, I was going to probably get a $50,000 bonus that year. Um, and they let me go strategically. I think they let me and another girl from the same state go that would have got good money just to kind of save them some money. And, uh, it pissed me off and, uh, I cashed out my 401k and I bought another building. I was like, you know, let's see what we can do. And since then we've, we've bought two more, you know, rentals are my first, my first house was Madisonville. I bought that in like 99. Um, second one was like, 13 it took me it took me 13 years or so to buy the next one i almost paid off the first one before i bought the second one but then it gave me courage because i used to i always analyze things a lot you know with the money and the margins and numbers and shit and uh, analysis paralysis would get me or i'd be scared or what if you know what i mean it's like walking through that fear is like a big 
thing that I had to get over. And now we've bought, like in the last six years, seven years, we bought three more. So, um, wait, how many? Well, we bought that one. You know, we got the other in the other two, and then the house that we lived in in, in Saint Bernard. So there's five. Yeah. Um, you, you count them up like you don't know this. How do you not know? Well, I just don't have the top of my head. <laughs> um, but so what I think is interesting, though, is like the whole time that like you were having your analysis paralysis, you had a post-it note on your computer desk. And what did it say? I don't even remember. You do know. Like, what did you want? It was your goal. You wrote it down. Like, you're talking about your minute money. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. So... I, I I break down my my rentals money as it's passive income, um, so I want to make um, twenty cents a minute. You know, that's my goal. Every minute that I'm breathing, every day of the week, twenty four seven, three sixty five. That come turns out to be about one hundred and five thousand a year. You know what I mean? If I'm making twenty cents a minute, and um, I don't know where we're at now. I've I've added it up, but we're nowhere near that. You know what I mean? I mean nowhere near. I mean no. We we still got. A ways to go. Passive income comes slow. That's slow money, you know. But, but I thought it was really. But we cool built up. Yeah, like I always thought about it. Like minute money is always on my mind. Like I have never thought about it. It's just like uh, something that we do, and sure, let's let's do. Well, this, I used to do but. that because I'd see like guys that got big contracts for sports and stuff, and I'd always break it down. Like, what are they getting a year? What are they getting a month? What are they getting a day? I mean, what the hell are they making a minute? You know what I mean? And I was like, they're making tons of money, but literally, if you're making twenty cents a minute. Every minute, that's a good living. That's 105 grand a year. Like, you could eat off that. You know what I mean? And at the time, like 105 grand a year isn't like a massive amount of money like I thought it was 10, 15 years ago. You know what I'm saying? But it's still a goal. Like, I'm going to hit 20 and then I'll go to 40. You know what I'm saying? Like, just keep going. But yeah, write it down. Go for it. All right. So I think it's about. You're empty. I am empty. Think it's about time for another break. Yeah. So let's listen to a sponsor and come back. The second sponsor for this episode is Ownerland Realty. Ownerland Realty was started in 2006 by Yuming Zhang. Now, 15 years later, they have grown to more than 350 agents strong, serving Ohio and Northern Kentucky. Ownerland is a local, full-service real estate brokerage firm offering both residential and commercial real estate services. I've been with Ownerland since I got my license, and I'm very happy and proud to announce that I've recently become an office manager. In this new role, I'll be recruiting agents to join Ownerland and providing support in their everyday duties once on board. This opportunity has changed my life, and I've already seen the difference in the amount of money our agents can earn with the handful I've already hired. It's real, and in most cases, it's significant. So I'm genuinely excited to talk about it. If you're an agent and would like to schedule a meeting, please don't hesitate to contact me. I'll bring my last deal's alter and a copy of my paycheck to show how little Ownerland receives as a brokerage and how much you receive as an agent. No gimmicks, no promotional commission splits, no hidden fees. Let's get straight to it and talk money. I know how hard you work as a realtor. I think you should keep as much of your money as possible and I'm willing to bet that I can help you do just that. Again, please don't hesitate to contact me. Shoot me an email at mattsellscincy at gmail.com right now. That's M-A-T-T-S-E-L-L-S-C-I-N-C-Y at gmail.com. Thanks again, and I look forward to meeting you. Now, back to the hustle. So we're back. We are. We've got more, more, more beer. 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 We do have more beer. This time, it will be quick. This is Fibonacci 2. This is their 
called Toll House. It's an American stout. It's real good. It's a clean, like true stout. Have you had it? Nope. You should try it. That's well, good. I'm going to. What's the ABV on it? Mm, 7.6. Well, that's not bad. Nice. Almost like a porter. It's mm -hmm. good. I like it. I like, I like it too. I like uh, I like Fibonacci, man. All right. So yeah, like we're talking about uh, hustles, and you know the the real estate was always my passion. You know what I mean? Like I uh, you talked about it a lot, all the time. Like it it consumed my thoughts. And I remember one time I left my brother's uh, house in Kansas City and. Um, he gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which I read the whole trip home. It was like a 10-hour drive, and I read it in Who one trip. Who was driving? Uh, my mom and Raj. Oh. And, um, was I with you? Nope. And by the time I got back, this was before I met you, I think. He wasn't um, in Kansas City before he met me. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know why I wasn't with you. But I read Rich Dad. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm not good on timelines, man. Um, <laughs> I read. Like, uh, when was it? Where was I? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> But I read Rich Dad Poor Dad, and it kind of pissed me off reading it. And then I was like, it made sense by the end. And it Why was did it like, piss you off? Well, saying things like a house isn't an asset. You know what I mean? I was like, man, fuck that. Like I, I, I bought, I bought my house. It is an asset, but and you know, really, it's not. If it's not making you money, it's not an asset. A house, my, like this house is not. This is a liability because we pay for it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Our assets are what brings us money. Your job. My my real estate stuff, our rentals, you know, whatever side hustle. I'm selling a lawnmower right now. You know, those are those are assets, um, things that are worth income. But I remember it changed my whole life and the way I think about finances and rental properties and everything else. So um, I carry a copy of that in my glove box. If somebody needs it, I'll give it to them. Because it's it's literally, it's like my Bible. It is like handing out Bibles. Like I will, I'll give <laughs> it to you. Many, like how many people have you given it to? I don't know. So a lot. Yeah. So many. I bought a lot of copies of Rich Dad, Poor Dad just because I want people to know this. You know what I mean? I think it's important. I think, well, one thing my dad used to say is get into real estate, get into real estate. He never bought real estate except for the house that he lived in. But he'd tell me that like, he worked at UPS and he'd say these guys that uh, retire early from from um you know being ups guys the ones that did really well always had real estate and then i listened to that like i heard a lot of things people said and i paid attention to a lot of stuff like that and then i started noticing like um any of these guys that own big companies or big investors and stuff like that it always come back to real estate like there was always at some point they were either in it or they still are they that's one of their streams of income and i was like I paid attention to that, man. Like, okay, so that's it. I got to do that. And uh, it just so happens that after Rich Dad, Poor Dad, owning some rentals, um, I was passionate about it. It's all I thought about. Like, I'd literally look up, I'd see houses for sale, and I'd, I'd go online, I'd find out what they were selling for, and I'd run the numbers for fun. Even if I wasn't going to put a, um, you know, an offer in, I would just be like, well, how much could someone make off of this house? You know what I mean? Like, I, I did that constantly all the time and I've tried to talk people into buying real estate to use it as rentals because it's smart smart money but we got into a flip we did a flip um, you know that was another avenue in real estate we've done one flip in Madisonville one time about killed us yeah I mean it was like this was another instance of like Matt like he's talked about like we you know we watch the shows on TV like you can do this flip you can make this amount of money 
you know, we had a partner, Jeremy and, and Megan, and so he's like, okay, so there's this house. Um, let's go look at it, and we have to either accept, like, put in an offer or walk away. And everybody was eager to do something. We it, were. it wasn't like just me. I didn't have to sell you, you crazily, didn't have to sell but the me. offer came up and we had to move. Yeah, but, I mean, this was like another, like, devil's advocate like holy shit it was a piece of shit house Th- there there was shit in the house yeah like somebody there was, was shit somebody in almost was every room somebody there was, was squatting. shit in the shower a, like but okay so we made some money i'm not gonna go into we made some money it took us six months we thought it would take us three each one of us went to the hospital uh, for stress or exhaustion or, or whatever one one she was had pregnant. a baby she, was pregnant. <laughs> she had a reason to go for it yeah so but i mean it whooped our ass but we learned a ton like i still there's things that i learned on that flip and there's contractors that i use that i still use to this day on that flip because they did such a good job i mean we didn't we didn't come out of there like with a ton of money but we came out with money like it but, was a, it was a paid education. I mean, it's almost like basic training. Like, you know, I I was in the National Guard. Basic training sucks and there like there's parts that you hate, but then there's parts that you love and like there's bonds that you build and like yeah. you all go through it together. Yeah. So I feel like that flip was like our basic training into like Yeah, Jeremy and Megan went on to flip like five houses. Yeah. You know what I mean? We didn't do it just cuz we, I don't know. We were too busy. It was like, like it was a lot of work. Were changing you know what I mean? At the time, but I think we'll do it again, though. I'm I'm ready. Yeah, at some point, I'm, I'm ready to buy another rental too. I mean, it's just it has to be the right deal. You know what I mean? I think it was a good learning. Like even though like we ran the numbers and you know we thought about all the pluses and and, and, and negatives. If you open up a house, there's a million things you're not going to see. There's a million things we didn't see. That's right. Um, but, but at the end of the day, like we sold it in like what less than forty eight hours. Yeah, forty four hours. Yeah, it was crazy, man. And that was when the market was booming. I mean, it was, it's still booming. But and it's still beautiful. I, it's, it's, we drive I still by. Love it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's been sold twice since, and it's still making money. But um, I mean, the flips, the rentals, and then you know my final push into what I'm doing now, my being a realtor. Um, my manager Jeff, it's like my brother. You know what I'm saying? Like Jeff family to me. Jeff and Jenny. Buy our first house. Yeah, and and like I, every house up until you being a realtor. Yeah, yeah. So he was a, a big influence, and he always told me. He said, "Man, you should be a real estate agent. You're built for this, man. Like you love it. You know, you've got a sales sales personality. Like you can you can do this." And I I listened to him and I believed him, but I was just like, I don't know, man. If I can do full commission, you know what I mean? And um. I was working a corporate job selling IT software, and I, I was making good money, but I, I wasn't happy, and it wore me down. I was there for like four, four and a half years, maybe five years. years. Yeah, I was there for a while, and um, it was a good some, company. Some, I one, like them. Couple, couple of people I worked with, I couldn't stand, and I, I knew I couldn't be there much longer. Um, but I had a great manager. You know what I mean? I liked the upper management there. It was just some of my colleagues that were aggravating to me, and. I was. I felt like my soul was being sucked out of my body every day, and like it was just wasn't me. And I mean, I'm still buying houses while I'm doing this. You know, I was a peon at that job, but um, I finally built up enough money, and I said, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to do this. And I, the, my only regret now is that I didn't do it sooner. Yeah, I mean, you talked about it for so long. I mean, I told people, I told people about this for seven, eight years. Like, I'm going to be out of here. Like, I'm not working. I'm not working for somebody or a corporation. After I'm 45, like I, I won't do it. I don't care if I'm 
Uh, whatever. So I, 45 I, was your number, and, and when did you really walk 41. Out? I think I was 41. So it's been three years now, and it's scary still to me sometimes. I'm getting better at it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But I'm eating. I'm making better money than I was there. Sometimes double. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've had good years, so I just know that I can't go back. I don't, I don't want to work for anybody anymore. Uh, I made lots of connections through real estate, through, like, all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? So and, I would say that, like, your contact list is impressive. I mean, aside from, like, all the food places that you have in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm big, man. You have food numbers from, like, every city that we visited. But <laughs> aside from the restaurants, you have, like, an impressive contact list of like contractors and people so like, i am known you, for people so, call me all the time asking for it happened today chad from narrow path i hit him up about a um, hvac guy i got the best hvac guy in the business but i did a an event at uh, queen city called i got a guy where it was just like i promoted my contractors and local businesses that i know and yeah if you're listening to this and you're in cincinnati and you need a referral for damn near anything i probably know somebody and that's just from years of being around people and like mm-hmm. loving small businesses. If somebody tells me they have a small business, I put them in my phone and I mark them down for what they are. It could be fucking snow cone machines. I don't know. You know, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to put them in here. And you if know somebody, snow cone guy? I don't know. I probably do. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I'll just search in my phone and it, like weird shit pops up sometimes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I might know a guy for that. Well, and it's not just, you know, loving small businesses it's like we have rentals and like we've we've had yeah, that need we've ran through contractors like i mean you find a good one you stick with them and you find a bad one like you, delete you stick the with term. them and you pay them right yeah you pay them on time and you don't try to get deals all the time if you send them enough business pay them with, what they're worth they'll give you deals yeah above and beyond that i've got contractors that i've given tens of thousands of dollars to and they deserve every penny of it exactly you know what i mean so but i got into real estate and that's where I'm at, and I love it. I like literally love my job. I love my life. I'm happy. Like, I got a great family. I'm I'm eating. So how like, did it's, so it's with great. the real estate? So your real estate, like you've you've taken your real estate path, you know, a couple of different avenues, and mm-hmm. and so one of them is like the podcast, like and how we're ending up here talking about it. Yeah. But then like, so what are the other things that you've done? So. Jeff and Jenny, and Jenny's like my marketing guru, Jeff's wife, like they always said, you got to separate yourself. You got to make yourself stick out, you know, use your circle of influence, which is your friends and family and stuff. But then you got to promote yourself and market yourself. And I didn't really know how to do that in a unique way. Like, I guess I was just kind of out here swinging away. And um, I love craft beer. And like we were at, we go to breweries all the time. You know, we've been to cities with lots of breweries for vacation. You know what I mean? And um, it just clicked one day. I was like, man, I need to, I want to hold a real estate workshop at a brewery. You know what I mean? And I asked the guys at QCB if I could do it and they let me. It turned in, I ended up, you know, doing these once or twice a month for about a year and a half. And I called it Homes and Brews. Um, it was a real estate workshop inside of a brewery. So, um, promoting the brewery. People were coming to the brewery that may not have ever been there before, which I love that, promoting local. And it was usually breweries I knew people and, you know, had a good relationship with them. And then we started tying in um, charities, like local nonprofits and, and charities and certain causes. And um, I would have them come in as well and bring their people and, you know, explain what they do. And we we do split the pot and different things like that, giveaways and try to raise money. And 
I mean, it was fun, man. And I had more fun raising money for charities. Like, I really got into that. It was so much fun. Yeah, and then, but then Homes and Brews kind of fizzled. It didn't fizzle. It fizzled because I wanted it to. Like, people were still coming. We were getting at least 20 people uh, per event, but it was like some of the same people. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I, I felt like the, I, I wasn't getting out the word as much as I should be. Not tapping into like a, the new Yeah, I wasn't fresh. tapping into new people that were going to bring continued dollars to these places or these charities. And But I was noticing that I was getting... Um, I was getting attention from online, like with Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that. People were seeing what I was doing and I would get a couple deals a year where people would call or hit me up on Messenger like, hey, I see you doing all this stuff. I, I know somebody that's selling. So I'd get deals that way. And it, it kind of in my mind it was like, OK, I need this online saturation without like all the logistics of setting up an event at a brewery and that's how the podcast came about. I was a big Joe Rogan fan. Um, I watched him on YouTube essentially, but you got me into podcasts on a vacation where You're we were, welcome. yeah, like we were listening <laughs> to crime story or whatever it is that genre, and on long trips. And I was like, this is awesome. And I, I really started listening to podcasts, and I was like, I can I can get the same saturation, like online saturation, with this as I can doing like in brewery events so I started the podcast but I still do the in brewery events like we're doing stuff for veterans and it's just more focused on the brewery and the nonprofit. so um, I'll do events where it's like hey come check out this brewery and then we're going to raise money for this nonprofit organization I don't even talk about real estate anymore you know oh, what I mean I know that's why I wanted to do like I love the podcast I think it's great like even like I'm a part of some of them but like just listening to them like hey man you're an entrepreneur. You got to promote yourself. Yeah. I, and that is the podcast is promoting myself, but I don't see myself as an entrepreneur. And I disagree. I know you do. And, <laughs> and we've talked about this before, but um, I don't know. And I've talked about this with people. You can say whatever you want, but I'm a hustler. I'm a hard worker. Um, and, you know, I'm honest with people, um, but I don't feel like an entrepreneur. Like I, I, um, I don't own businesses. I don't employ people. Um, I don't have overhead and things. I mean, I kind of do, but I, I don't feel like when I interview somebody that owns their own brewery or, um, you know, they have a farm or they have a, a craft store or whatever, um, they own brick and mortar. You know, they, they have things like that. And We own brick and mortar. We do own brick and mortar, but it's not like a business. You know what I mean? It's passive income. It's I'm not an entrepreneur to me. You know, I'm a hustler. Like one day I want to be an entrepreneur. Like I'd love to own like maybe some storage units or. So in your mind, what is the difference between a hustler and an entrepreneur then? A hustler is somebody that's always coming up with money, like ways to make money or ideas to make money. Um, you know, I could, I'm hustling a, a, a skag lawnmower. I found a cheap one. I got it fixed up. I'm going to sell it. I'll make a thousand bucks or something. You know what I mean? That's, that's a hustler to me. That's not a job. That, I'm not a, I'm not building a business. I just flipped something that I can make money off of. You know what I mean? Or, um, you know, if I can help somebody out and they get me, like, they, they give me some money or they give me a benefit, you know what I'm saying, to their business, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, then, that's hustling. I've always been a hustler, but I don't know. I know people say I'm an entrepreneur, but I don't. I don't see it that way. I just don't. And then, 
You know, maybe one day I will be, but I understand business and I understand hustling and I understand hard work and I can talk to people that own businesses and, mm-hmm. and cut it up with them like, like nothing. I've tried. You know what I'm saying? We've tried a hundred times. I failed a bunch. I, I fail, I fail all the time, but I never lose. Yeah, it's true. But I just don't, I don't think I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a hustler. I might be, I mean, I'm not, I've got online mentors that are hustlers and I know people that go harder than me, but to a lot of people that's met me, I'm, I'm a, I'm the, I'm a hard ass hustler. You know what I'm saying? You're a very hard worker. You know what I'm saying? A hard sure. worker. Yeah. I mean, but people are like, damn, dude, you don't slow down. But I'm like, and I believe that they believe that, but then I I know people that are going harder than me, and I'm like, man, they I ain't shit. This guy right here is he walks circles around me. So, and and taking that idea of you know mentors and you know people that are seeing what you're doing, like what advice like do you have to anybody that's mm. You know, in the same boat or similar boat. It's or the like, same shit you'll hear on all these podcasts. I mean... It's crazy. The messages are... It, the, it is. They're not the same exact words, but... Sometimes they're super close, I though. know. It's crazy. It gives me chills. Yeah. Um, the biggest one is go. You know what I'm saying? Just go. Just do it. Like, if you're thinking about it, just fucking do it. I overanalyzed for way too long. You know what I mean? Like, I should have done more earlier and quicker. I'm not mad that I didn't because the overanalyzation is my personality. You know what I mean? Yeah. It it made me comfortable in my moves. But now that I've stepped over the ledge or I've stepped through that curtain of fear, um, it's not there anymore. And I'm like, damn, I should have done that earlier. You know what I mean? Don't Don't doubt yourself. It's worth trying. I mean, you're going to fuck up and you're going to fail. That's another thing. Don't worry about failing. Like I said, I failed a million times, but I never lose. Like, you know, you you learn from your failures. So, so you have like one quote that you say all the time, like, "I'm gonna fail my way to success." Yeah, it's the truth. I I found that from somebody else online. Like yeah, I, I know. I was like, "That's the realest shit I've ever heard in my life." Like, I'm gonna fail my way to success. I tell the kids that all the time. Don't be afraid to mess up because you're gonna fail your way to success. Like, if you're gonna fail. Do it quickly. Nobody that did everything right never ends up super successful. You got to take risks. You got to get hit in the head. You got to get back up and you have to shake it off and figure out a better way to do it or or whatever. But I mean, we're getting there, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm living my dream. Like I never thought we'd be this good. You know what I'm saying? But I know we're going to be better. I don't know what it's going to look like, but give me a little bit of time. We'll figure that shit out. For sure. Um, you know, there's, um, there's sayings, there's two sayings I want to mention. So Chad, Chad gave me one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeremy gave me the other one. And it was. So from, like Chad is. Chad's my boy. He's a painter. He's worked on the flip with us. Um, he was in music. We've done shows together. That's how we initially met, but he's always been a hard worker. And I recognize that right away. Like he is a grinder and a hustler. And, um. I feel like before you get into this, like I just want to say something real quick. Like I feel what? like you're like, the the Pied Piper of hot like of hard workers like you like <laughs> <laughs> like you you send out your little flute call and like people come to help you and then like you know the people that don't meet your standards like you don't work with them anymore but then people that do and like they grind then you're like okay follow me and I'm gonna take you along with me yeah but I go hard for them too that's true like I know like when I see somebody that is a hard ass worker and grinding like when they need me I'm coming it's like so you know all the people and, like, like, that and I'm you gonna mentioned 
as hard as you've seen anybody work. So you love me back. Like I yeah, love you. Cause I created I'm, like a really tight knit, like group of like hard working people that will, they have your back and yeah. like, you have their back. Like it's, it's really awesome. Yeah, man. So, and Chad's just one of them. Yeah. Chad's my brother at this point. Um, but yeah, he has a, he has a saying that says uh, reduction makes the best sauce. You know what I mean? And that hits home to me. Like you reduce all the bullshit. You know what I mean? It comes down to like a couple things to me. And it's like hard work and honesty and, you know what I'm saying? Just being on it and not giving up. You know what I'm saying? But also like reduction is like when you get reduced, like you get beat down by some of the shit, like it reduces you and like you feel like you have nothing else to give but you got that substance oh yeah you're getting beat up like you're losing you're losing then when you add to it like that makes so it's like you know several ways that you could look at that whole reduction thing like we've been reduced several times right but we're real saucy right now (laughs) to nothing yeah that's that's for real like okay one story about that let's talk about the refrigerator you know what I'm saying? Oh, my gosh. I measure our success off of a refrigerator. Yeah. Um, when we first met, we were living in Madisonville. Um, the house that turned into my first rental, I didn't have shit, man. Like, I was working to eat every week. You know what I'm saying? Like, what can I make just so I can get by? You know what I mean? And um, my refrigerator door broke, and it wouldn't stay closed. And we were using a weight from a weight set to to keep the door closed. We set the weight on a 10 pound weight on the floor that would hold the door closed. We had like skid marks on the tile. Yeah, the tiles were fucked. And we went to uh, Best Buy or Circuit City. We went to a couple places. We Wrecker were like, Wrecker and Burger. We were like, we're going to get a new refrigerator this year. And this is like the first adult thing I was going to buy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I had a house, but it was a bachelor pad, you know, college Until type Until I came in and wrecked yeah. that shit. But then, so we go to, we had like $200 in cash. And we were going to buy like a five or $600 refrigerator. And my credit was so bad. That and no, my credit was so bad. Yeah, we couldn't even get a refrigerator. Like we, we couldn't, couldn't even... get a five or $600 refrigerator with $200 down because our shit was so whack. And uh, I remember I remember first thinking that you were going to leave me. And <laughs> like, there's no way she's sticking with me. I'm so fucking pathetic. But then I, think, I was like, like, my credit score was like a 400. And, but then I was like, there's no way I'm letting this happen again. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I started focusing on those things. But it's like, so now to success, it's like, here's me and you, like, just trying to eat, you know what I'm saying? That shit, trying to keep our food cold. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and we got turned down. We kept that fucking, we kept that weight in front of that door for another year or so until we built our credit up and we could get another one. Yeah. And, and so like... Uh, buying a refrigerator was a huge win that was a fucking huge milestone for me like oh we got a fridge you know what i'm saying or like when i could like i my credit was so bad like i had like the little suzuki sidekick that was like shooting out gas and i worked at the epa like in the middle of summer and like my car is squirting gas i'm like i'm gonna catch on fire yeah and i can't even afford like we've been through it together man to you know get a car in my name and like you co-signed like for my car for me like then we got our own car that was huge like our credit was getting built up now we we built a brand new house in in blue ash like i never in my wildest dreams thought i'd ever do that so i've made it i've made it more than i ever thought i would and i know there's more to come so i just i i I fail but i can't lose and grind together shine together that's our that's our that's our logo man but the other one is um, Jeremy told me about Jimmy G at the, in the restaurant business. A guy took potatoes off the menu, mashed potatoes. And he came in there to like see what was going on. And he's like, 
what do you take these off here for? And he's like, I'm sick of fucking mashed potatoes, man. Like, I don't want to make another mashed potato the rest of my life. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Like, people want mashed potatoes with their meals. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He goes, you got to make the fucking mashed potatoes. So I always say that. Like, there's going to be shit work that you don't want to do for any job you have. Even if you're working for yourself. That's the mashed potatoes, man. You know what I mean? You're you're gonna have to you have to get down to it and get your hands dirty, and you know, there's no way around it. So, shit that you've done a million times or you don't want to do, too bad. Make the potatoes. Make the fucking potatoes. You gotta <laughs> do it. You gotta do it. And I mean, one thing I'm I'm proud of myself is I come from uh I've come from my stock is hard workers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're a hard worker, like. You, there's nothing I see that's too hard to do. You know what I'm saying? Like we we might not do it great, but we can figure it out. Yeah, you know we've what been saying? through some really um, hard hard shit, like just in our time. Some like, of, like even just like family shit. Yeah, like, like we, there's been hard years, and we're here. Like but mentally, like, yeah. I mean, not even just like work wise, but like just to muster up and. We had a doctor tell us we'd never have kids. Yeah. We'd never have kids. You know what I'm saying? It destroyed me. This it broke me down to the to the smallest I've ever felt, and we got two kids. Like, yeah, you know, what the fuck? But then the the grinding, the hard work. You be honest with people and real. Like that's probably my downfall too, because I'm sometimes I'm too honest and I probably shouldn't say some shit, and it gets me in arguments. Or it's like when keeping it real goes wrong. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> for real. But. It's a problem that I recognize, but it. But it's it, also it's a gift and a curse. Though. It is, but because you I, know I struggle I with like I'm like no I don't really know if I want to say that and I'm just I just say it yeah like but that's also like the balance sure but you know I feel like being a hard worker being honest and you know just going for it that's a that's all you gotta do well and I like rock I'm getting pretty buzzed too yeah me too but I feel like like rock. You know, like you, so you've mentioned, you know, the people that you work with, like Rock is always like, you know, he's like your brother too. Um, he is my brother. Yeah. We've had the business together, but he's also like giving you like little tidbits too. And he, he calls you the moral compass. So like, <laughs> so like where are you, like you feel like you're too real or you say things like piss people off, but it's like, if you're moral compass, if Matt's moral, that's a bit, that's one of the biggest compliments. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, okay. So like Rock saying that. I'm the moral compass. He bounces things off of me because I'm going to answer them in a moral way. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, holy shit, bro. Like, for real, I'm that guy? You know what I mean? Like, that's surprising. Right is right, wrong is wrong. And, and that that's... It's a huge compliment. It you is, know what I'm saying? But it's, it's, it's pretty... It's accurate. I've had quite a few things like that said to me that blows my mind. Like, even Austin with the... Using me in an interview question. Like, somebody that inspires you. Shit, and, and, he's, and he said that I told him... I told him you... And he's a fucking doctor. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, what? Like, are you kidding me, man? Like, so, I don't know. I'm real as fuck, and I'm true to my friends. And I'm proud You're as hell loyal, about that. For sure. Yeah, my loyalty. You can't shake me, buddy. And I'll work hard. That's my advice. <laughs> That's so, it, right? Yeah, so... That was the advice. We've gone through uh, who you are. Mm -hmm. Your why, where you've gone. What? That's me. That's who you're listening to. That's why I sit down and do the podcast, man. Look, 
the the reason I love this podcast. I don't know how to make money off of it yet. I'm trying to figure that out. We've but had that's some, not even what you're trying to do, though. I mean, it'd be great. Yeah, yeah I'm going to do this podcast whether I make another penny or not. Because we get to drink beer and talk to people. Yeah. So, I mean, if I was at a bar and I met some, I, like I go to a bar, I belly up. He talks I, to everybody. I'm going to talk to everybody in there that wants to talk to me. And if somebody tells me they own a business, I'm in. I'm just. I'm. I'm locked in. You're I, enamored by business owners and people and their stories. And I want to hear about how they struggle. Like, how'd you do it and everything. So it only made sense to me to make this podcast because it really does. Like, if I wasn't recording this podcast, I'd be talking about it with somebody. It'd be like a podcast at a bar or wherever we're at. Like, I get somebody that owns a business and they want to talk to me. I'm talking to them and I'm figuring it out because it really does interest me. You know what I mean? So I don't know, man. I think it's awesome. It's it's so much fun to me, and if I can figure out a way to make this profitable, it'd be the best job I ever had. But this just goes back to like another one of your great, grand ideas that has turned into something. Yeah. Like. And I got John Blaze. I called my old DJ, and he was up for it. He's like, yeah, I'll produce it, man. You know what I'm saying? So I'm working with a somebody that i used to work with 10 years ago we're calling each other more than two or three years, months ago. like well i mean 10 years ago is probably the last time we worked together on yeah. like music stuff but it's like now we're working together again in a whole nother a whole nother medium you know what i'm saying but it's great man I so mean, much fun and you'll probably you're i know you're gonna talk to people and john might be one of those guys like um i don't know man it's just i love it i think it's i think this is one of the coolest things I've done, and I like the the thing that blows me away is seeing people that's listening. Like I don't know who they are, but I see where, and like we've got five countries that have tuned in and downloaded, like a hundred and something cities in the U.S. Like I look them up on Google Maps, and I'm like, why is why is well, someone from I mean, there listening to me? It doesn't make sense. Well, it also like it trips me out that like you are coordinating with like Corey, dude that I went to high school with that was like Derek's, you know He's local, he makes beats. Why wouldn't I use him? I know, it's like but you like you you guys are buddies. Like we he was friends with my brother, like growing up, like we were cool. But like you guys like text back and forth. He and makes he, dope beats and he's a veteran. <laughs> yeah. Like I why mean, wouldn't I support this guy? So it's just like the connections that you make, I mean it just blows my mind. Like I can be a talker but it takes, you know, a little bit for me to warm up. But like you you talk to anybody. Yeah, it's fun. And like you make I'm that connection, in and that's that's awesome. I like people. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> See, we go to a party. If Chanel's like, "Well, we don't know anybody there," I'm like, "Hell He's yeah!" He's like, "Yes!" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh God, I don't want to talk to people." <laughs> <laughs> she wants to go to a party where we know everybody, yes. and I'm like, "I know their stories, man." So, I think that pretty much that's it. Wraps up this episode. Um, I think it was a good. Chance to get to know the man behind the the podcast. Cool. Learn a little bit more about him. Um, it's going to be weird. I know when I hear other people talking about me, I'm going to cry listening to this podcast. I know that shit. I'm soft. Yeah. I'm sensitive. You're emotional. Yeah, man. So. But it's cool. I'm glad you thought of it. I'm glad, like, Rock was, like, co-signing it, saying I would like that, too. Not like we needed that. No. Yeah. <laughs> It was, I mean, that, that's just justification yeah. enough for me to be like, okay, let's do it. But, yeah, it's cool, man. Thanks. So, thanks for listening. Yeah, that's it. I guess you'll hear us in about a month on another podcast. Let's cheers. Cheers. You don't even have beer. Come I on. I got bottles. Oh, shit. Let's go.
All right. See y'all. Thanks for tuning in and listening to me, man. I appreciate it. We're out. theme for Hustle and Bruce podcast is brought to you by a band called Highly Likely. The song is called Farmer's Name. The music you heard during the ads for this episode were brought to you by Corey Christopher Beats. Hustle and Bruce podcast is produced by your DJ's favorite DJ and my boy John Blaze. See how this goes. See how this goes. Check, 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 check. Mm. All right. It's so weird that you're interviewing me. It is so weird. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> really? <laughs> the fuck is that question? Why, why do you do what you do? So the question is, what's your why? Whatever. That's our podcast <laughs> question. You have to say it. My I feel like we should say the who, and then you say the why. Why are we changing this up in the middle okay. of a podcast? I don't understand. All right, so what's your why? Oh, my gosh. Well, like, I don't know how you, your flow is. Like you, well, you do, though. I mean, it's right there. The influences is always the first question. Well, are we going to cut this out? Yeah, John, we have to we have to cut that out. Like, after we're talking about the beers, let's start all over. We do the same questions every podcast. Hey, it's not like I pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> You're just there for the beer. I'm just there you for the beer. You motherfucker, you. I add in a chuckle every now and then. I don't really pay attention. All right. What do you do? Boogaloo! So. All right, let's start over. Like, we're done with the... What are we drinking on? That might be a good... I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. Okay, well, maybe we should just pause. Like, so where else... Where else where, where else should I go with this? Is it... Now? I'm talking about we should break. I know, but I'm just saying... Well, we can talk about that on the break. We're recording right now. Okay. <laughs> so what am I saying? You gotta be careful hitting that mic all the time. What?